Let's pray. Spirit of God, who was present with Jesus in the wilderness, be with us as we gather round your word. Speak to us and help us to hear what you would have us hear today. In Jesus' name. Amen. For someone who wasn't much good at biology in school, I have a bit of a fascination with facts about the human body. And I came across one which caught my attention this week. I was aware that there are noises that we cannot hear because they're outside a particular frequency range. Something like dogs can pick up sounds we can't, or there are sounds that younger people can hear that older people can't. So I suppose that the same should be true of sight. Shouldn't really have surprised me, but I'd never really thought about it. Anyway, the thing I read said, the typical human eye can only see between 400 and 800 terahertz. And our ears can only detect sounds between 20 hertz and 20 kilohertz. And these ranges make up a fraction of the total sound and light frequency range. This means that there is a lot going on around us that we cannot see or hear. I find myself thinking of how the same is true as of our relationship with God. In 1 Corinthians 13, in the great passage about love, Paul speaks about how we know in part, we see in part, we understand in part. In old-fashioned language, which is passed down into quoted English, he says, we see through a glass darkly. And it's an image of a mirror. In the classical world, mirrors weren't like the clear glass things we have today. They were made of polished metal. And they didn't give you the clearest image. So if I looked in one, I might see enough to know that it's me, but not enough to see that one of my hairs out of place. As we go through life, we don't always see, hear, sense all that's really going on. And often it's only in hindsight that we realise, ah, Yes, that was happening there. I thought about that as I approached the readings we have for this morning. In this season of Lent, we are looking at the theme of wilderness, worship in the wilderness, from a number of different angles. And it's an appropriate theme for the Lent season as we reflect on Jesus' time in the wilderness. Last week, I introduced the thought that there were two sides of the way the Bible uses the image of wilderness. It's a place of struggle, isolation, temptation, danger. It's a tough place. And we might use that expression in modern life. We might talk about a famous person's wilderness years when they were out of the spotlight, when they had fallen from favour. Maybe that politician who was in the cabinet only to find themselves on the back benches for a while. But that's not the only way the Bible uses wilderness. It's also a place of encounter and transformation where people met with God and had encounters that they might never have had any other place. And last week we thought of the journey into the wilderness as being an inner journey, a secret journey. Well, this morning I want to reflect on the idea of it being a spirit-led journey. 
that far from being a place where we're drifting from God, it might be a place that God is leading us into. But there are three aspects of this I want to draw out. Firstly, that it's an unchosen journey. Then it may be a necessary journey. But thirdly, an accompanied journey. An unchosen journey, a necessary journey, and an accompanied journey. The first thing is that wilderness is not often the road we would choose. It's an unchosen journey. There are seasons of life when we feel on top of the world where everything just seems to flow and come very easily. And we may well wish we could stay in that place all the time. But you don't have to have been around that long before you realise it's not really how life works. There are seasons of life when it's hard, when it's a struggle, when you feel you're really stumbling in the dust and you can't see a way forward or through this. Perhaps there are times when we can kind of see how we wind up there. We maybe made bad choices or we were de- we're dealing with the consequences. And that's tough enough. But there are other times, more mysterious, perhaps more frustrating, when this is just what life throws at us. There is no reason. There was no bad choice. There was no wrong turning. However much we want, might want it to, Life very rarely takes us a direct route. And even when we travel with God, we might find ourselves in places that we would never have chosen. And often, amazingly, those stumbling in the dust moments can come remarkably close to seasons when we've been on top of the world. Ever noticed that? That was the situation in both our passages this morning. The Israelites had just been rescued from slavery in Egypt, but they seemed to go so far and then they doubled back. And to the Egyptians, it looks like Moses and the people haven't a clue. So they set off in pursuit. They think, we can capture this lot again. So the people come to the Sea of Reeds and they're trapped. In front of them was water, behind them an advancing army intent on recapturing them. They were convinced they were going to be wiped out until Moses stretched out his staff, the waters rolled back just long enough for the people to walk across on dry land, then they closed back over them, taking the pursuing Egyptians with them. It was a huge victory, and boy did they celebrate with lots of singing, dancing, music. They were on top of the world. They felt invincible. But it wasn't to last. The next place they came to had no fresh water and pretty much instantly the celebrations turned to grumbling. First against Moses, then against God. What did you bring us out here for? But God provides them with water. Then the next place they come to has no food. And without a hint of delay, they're grumbling again. How is this better than Egypt? At least we weren't hungry there. Now, there's no sense that they find themselves in these places through disobedience or negligence. They were being led by a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. There's no reason to believe that they feared from that. There was no divine satnav that had been screaming at them, turn around where possible. But where they find themselves, where they've been taken, it was hard. It wasn't what they'd have chosen. 
Likewise with Jesus. Jesus has just been baptized by John in the River Jordan. As he comes out of the water, he sees heaven opened. He hears a voice of affirmation and devotion saying, You're my son. I love you. I am thrilled with you. And with those words ringing in his ears, we might have expected Jesus to come out really pumped up, preaching the most amazing sermons, healing anything he comes into contact with. But that's not what happens. Instead, we read, the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Matthew and Luke soften it a little. They talk of Jesus being led there. Mark isn't so bothered about softening. The word Mark uses for being sent out into the wilderness is the same word Mark uses for Jesus casting out demons. There's no real sense of Jesus thinking, I know what's a really good idea. Let's get away by myself and work out what all this means. No, the sense is Jesus is thrust out into this place. It's a place of struggle. It's a place of trial. It feels hostile. It feels dangerous. It's no more a place that Jesus would have naturally chosen any more than you or I would have. But it was where the Spirit took him. And life can be like that. We can find ourselves in places not of our making, not of our choosing. And we might find ourselves wondering, has something gone wrong here? Surely if God was with us, we wouldn't have found ourselves here. Maybe we got ourselves lost. We might even have some idea that God's punishing us in some way. Or maybe we can feel let down, forgotten, and abandoned. When maybe there is more going on than we can see, hear, or sense. In the story of the Israelites, we read of how the route they were taking was not the most direct or obvious. The problem was the more direct route would have taken them in the way of the Philistines, and they might have found themselves in a battle for which they weren't ready. And they could easily have given up or been wiped out. So the wilderness where they found themselves might not have been what they would have chosen. But at the same time, they weren't to know what they'd been spared. And that might be true of us. The thing is, we see in part, we know in part. We only see the effects of the path we have trod, not the paths we have been spared. I've mentioned before to you the film Sliding Doors, and in it you get to see two very different life paths experienced by Gwyneth Paltrow's character. One is based on her making her train home and the other based on her missing it. In the film they quite often play out side by side. But in real life we don't get that privilege. We only get to see the impacts of the paths taken, whether we chose them or not. And we can imagine how life might have been different if we had followed this path instead of that one, or if such and such a thing hadn't happened, or that such and such a thing had. But the truth is, we have no real way of knowing how things might have transpired, nor what paths we have been spared as a result of them working out differently. And maybe it was necessary to come this way. 
occasionally Jills and I will find ourselves talking about uh, these things. One off the top of my head I can think of was about 15 years ago when I applied for a job in a fairly reasonably well-known company and I made a short list of the final two. So far as I was concerned, the interview went fantastically well. The only way they could have been more positive and welcoming is if they'd invited me to join their family for a week in the villa in Tuscany. But I didn't get the job. And I was devastated. But Jules and I sometimes find ourselves speculating whether life would have been different had I got that job. Perhaps it would. I don't know. There's a good chance we'd have been substantially wealthier, but wealth's not everything. Would I have been happier? I'm not so sure. I'm not even really sure that's the point. The road in which we find ourselves is not without its struggles, but we don't know the roads we've been spared. We humans are very good at finding meaning and purpose in our stories. How often can we find ourselves thinking, well, well, if that hadn't happened, then I'd have never discovered or experienced that. And perhaps the first thing we were thinking of was thrust on us. It wasn't the journey we would have chosen, but it led to us discovering something new. At the time, we might have longed to be anywhere else. But in hindsight, it was a necessary stage in our journey. Now, I know it's always possible that life is just what you make it. I have plenty of friends who tell me that life has no meaning or purpose. It's only really our desire to create meaning and connections and make stories that give us the sense that it does. But equally, we can view it through faith and find that it does have meaning and purpose. That although the journey into wilderness was not the one we would have chosen, in time we'll find it proved necessary. And that the hardest, most unwanted journeys are pretty much always the most transformative. They can shape us for what lies ahead. For when wilderness comes our way, one thing is true. We don't emerge the same. Which brings me to that final point. Although the journey might be unchosen, albeit, unne albeit necessary, it's an accompanied journey. The road God takes us down may not always be the easy one. We might question the wisdom of us leading us down this road. How could, how could he lead us this way if he truly cares? We might feel forgotten, abandoned. But we're never left alone. Wilderness is not a sign that God is absent or that God's gone missing. Even in the wilderness, God provided for Israel, providing water at sure manna and quail at sign. Truly, it felt dangerous but they knew protection. Same with Jesus. Yes, he was tempted. 
Yes, there were wild animals suggesting danger. But he was also cared for. You might look back on times in your life which you describe as wilderness experiences and you've wondered, how am I ever going to get through this? And don't minimize the struggle and the pain involved. But you're still here. Somewhere, you may not know how, you find the resources. You were given the resources to keep going. It may have come in quite a surprising way. Maybe through a kind word, a shoulder to cry on, a chance encounter, anything. They can all be ways in which somewhere along the way, we have not been alone. There are ways in which, whether we have recognised them or not, God has been with us. But we've only seen in part and known in part. More has been going on than we realise. And he hasn't forgotten us. We may struggle to see and hear and sense it. But all the time there is more going on than we can see or hear. I don't know where you are right now. Some of you may well be on top of the world. If you are, God bless you. Long may it continue. I suspect for more of us, just at the moment, there's a bit more wilderness in it. The space we are probably isn't the one we envisaged or would have chosen. And it may be some time before we come to make any sense of it and see how we were being shaped in the midst of it. But we are not left alone. We may not always recognise it. We may have to look hard with eyes of faith to see it. But although this journey was not the one we chose, it may ultimately prove necessary. And we will have been accompanied on the journey. We might struggle to see it, hear it and sense it. But all the time, may we come to see there was a lot more going on around us than we realised. Grace and peace to you.